calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Good day, good people. My name is Brad King, and you are listening to the Downtown Writers Jam Podcast, which is part of the Solid Listen Podcast Network. Max the Dog and I are coming to you from deep inside the jam bunker today. He's had a rough couple days here, but he woke up today feeling like a puppy, so you're going to hear him flopping around in the background because he wants to go for a walk. And I hope that your day is equally filled with that kind of energy. Today on the program, uh, it's this is just a great conversation. Um, I just re-listened to it as I was putting this together, and and I just loved it so much. Colleen Van Nykirk is here, and she's the author of A Conspiracy of Mothers, which is out in October. This is her first book, so this is normally where I do the bio part of like, oh, here's who this author is. Um, but a lot of that's going to come out in the discussion that we had. So the sort of pertinent thing to frame what's about to come is that uh, she grew up in South Africa as a person of color in the 80s and 90s. Um, and if you remember that time, uh, you know that was at a time of apartheid um, and military segregation that happened over there. And those experiences shaped this book. Um, she now lives up in Vancouver with her husband. She lived out here in Virginia for a little while. It's just, it was such a fascinating and fun conversation, an important conversation. And it's always hard to go back and listen uh, to hard conversations because there's like a million things that I would have said or like the way you frame things and, and stuff like that. But that's part of the joy of doing the show, too, is that you get to have those organic conversations about very hard things with strangers. Um, it's the wonderful joy of, of having writers around. Um, this is also going to be the most literary conversation that I've ever had on the program. I mean, we hit Colson Whitehead. We spent a lot of time on Tom Robbins. She is a big uh, fan of magic realism. Um, and you will find out how I'm a terrible reader. And uh, magic realism confuses me to the point where I've read very important magic realism books and did not realize that was what I was reading until I was deep into them. <laughs> so it's a good time. Uh, she is just brilliant and fascinating uh we laughed a whole shitload 
there's so much that didn't even make it in. There's a whole parrot thing that's happening in my neighborhood uh, that we spent a lot of time on, uh, and we ruminated a tremendous amount about living in nature because both of us really like to do that. So it's a good show. It's exciting. Her book, A Conspiracy of Mothers, you can pre-order it now. I suggest you go do that. Uh, before we get to all that interview, as you know, we have a little bit of business. The Jam comes out every Wednesday, and our video podcasts come out about every Monday and Friday. You can do a couple things to help us out. First, tell your friends about us. That is how we spread the word about this show that we do. And the second thing you can do, and this is going to take a little effort, but you're all sitting in front of a device right now that's connected to the internet somehow. I need you to leave us reviews wherever you listen to podcasts. So here's where you can do it. If you're on Apple, if you use it on an iPhone or an Apple mobile device, go to Apple Podcasts, and you can leave us a written review and a star review. Those are super helpful for us being found. If you don't have that, if you don't use Apple, head over to the Facebook page, the Downtown Riders Jam Facebook page, and leave us a review there. You can also head over to our website, theridersjam.com, and leave us a testimonial through the contact page so that we can use that in advertising and things as we spread the word. Uh, if you're looking for books to read, we do reviews on the site, and we have a little bookshop link you can click right there and support local and independent bookstores around the country. If you don't want to do that, you can sign up for a newsletter, and that will just show up right in your email box. Uh, book recommendations, reviews, things like that. The other thing you can do uh, is support everybody on the Solid Listen Network. Click on that Patreon button, and you, for just a couple bucks a month, you get commercial-free episodes, bonus content from everybody. We have, like, I think 12 shows, 10 or 12 shows on the network. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff there, and it's a good way to support us. So... You know, I don't want to belabor this interview too much just because uh, it's so it, we've been having a lot of these really good conversations here recently. Not that the other seven years haven't been good, but I just feel like uh, I don't know whether it's because we're sort of coming out on the other side of the pandemic, kind of coming out. I mean, I know we're still with the Delta variant and stuff, but we're at least moving around in the world again. And I feel like people are sort of hungering to have these discussions and conversations with people that we haven't been able to have in 18 months and two years. And so I really feel like these interviews over the last several months have just been profound and deep and fun and hard in the good way. Uh, and I think today is, is another one of those um, that you're going to like. And, you know, it's also been interesting to me because as I've interviewed people from around the world, I am an American, and I'm like, you know, the rest of the country, more or less. And that's, uh, we have a very limited scope of how we see the world. And so talking to people from um, all over, which really what we've tried to do over the last six months, has just been also fascinating for me because I love to travel so much. And in lieu of traveling, since we can't leave the country anymore until we get this under control, um, hearing the stories of other people's um, lives and places that are different than mine has just been has been a godsend really uh, and and to do it with Colleen uh, who was just so utterly fucking charming um, was a blast and and like I said re-listening to the show uh, I was laughing and smiling along with it which I realize is kind of narcissistic because it's my show and I was laughing at things that I was saying and she was saying but like I mean you're here so you know that's just what I do so I appreciate you guys taking some time to stop by the bunker today to spend time with Max and I. 
I hope that you're doing good. I hope you're taking care of yourself. Uh, I hope that you will get the vaccine and keep wearing your mask so that we can get this thing put away. And I hope, no matter what's going on with your life, that you can sit back for the next hour and enjoy my conversation with the lovely, wonderful, intelligent, witty, kind Colleen Van Nykerk. Uh, what yeah, took look, you up to Vancouver? Just, you know, the, my husband and I want to do, you know, trying to find a good place to sort of settle long term. And we kind of did this whole um, decision, you know, it was a decision making thing where we've been in the States. Do we do we stay? Do we go? Do we go somewhere else? Do we go back to South Africa. You know, what do we do? Um, and we just we fell in love with it. It was it's just, yeah. you know, it, it's it just felt right. The people were, were great, you know, and it, it has kind of proven to be that place for us. Good. So, yeah. So it it's, was just like, well, this works. Let's do it. So we did. Yeah. It's like the best of America and Britain with a whole <laughs> bunch of niceness, right? With like, tea. With tea. With yeah, tea. Yes, yeah. I'm, sorry, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not a coffee drinker. So I'm like, I've got to find a place that actually understands tea. Yeah. I'm actually so. drinking tea right now. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> yeah. Me too. <laughs> in fact, I was just talking to my friend who I, I used to spend my summers in Europe. Uh, and right. she took me for a walkabout and we had cream tea one day. And I was like, we can't eat this Ooh. before we like do this hike. <laughs> I have like a hundred pictures because I like the first bite. I was like, oh no, we can do this every day. <laughs> like cream, like I don't know why I cream see. tea didn't get to America, but like it needs right. to get to America now. <laughs> I see the error of my ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were laughing. She's like, you oh, just man. didn't want to do it. I'm like, well, I'm a hillbilly. And I'm like, mm, that sounds like not so much fun. <laughs> Ate that right. shit and was like, oh, grandma would no, love this. No, the, the light's gone. <laughs> yeah, that's just sugar and caffeine. Like, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm 100% yeah, put in. together. So you're up there, uh, and I know you said you lived around, like, uh, where you're originally from Cape Town? Is that where you're from? From Cape Town, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that, like, in, you know, I kind of came of age in the 90s, and a lot of folks sort of migrated, you know, out, you know, work and all those things. Um, in the mid 90s uh, but I, I stuck around for a long time because it's, it's like the quality of life there and, and everything is just great I know people sort of you know scratch heads and, and think that South African Africa is just the sort of you know cesspool of madness and danger and crime but uh, it was it wasn't like that living there at all I, I loved it and you know literally just left because it was it's a long way from anywhere else so if you want yeah. to see the rest of the world you kind of need to you know it's like literally 12 hours to get anywhere other than obviously Southern Africa yeah. Um, yeah. Australia's, you know, everywhere is just far. So I just want to sort of travel and see what else there was to see. So yeah. now we're here. I was going to say, like, it's it, like when I travel, like it's uh, Australians are always like, it's like living in Australia. Like it's like, if you want to see yeah. something, it's like, oh, I'm, if I travel, I'm going to spend three months traveling because it takes forever to get anywhere. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I feel like in the States, you know, it's so much easier to travel around. Like Canada's big, but not as, you know, as, as populated, obviously. Um, so people just kind of get on planes like I'm going over to this other coast for the weekend. I'm like, really? Like, yeah. in, you know, that would just be it's like an epic thing in, in some other places. But yeah. in Africa, it's just you know, not not that simple. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the other thing that you said, which is, I think, um, part of the reason that I like doing this show is that I get to talk to people from all over the world. And having traveled around a lot, particularly out of the States, you realize the perception of an area is yes. shaped so much by 30 second sound bites, right? Like, yes, and one true. of my favorite things to do uh, it, when I was a teacher was to show kids pictures of like Iran 
and Iraq in the 70s. I'm like, you only know it as like this sort of war-torn thing, but like it yeah. it actually did not like that is a result of a thing. That is not yes, that was not a decision, right? That they made. Like yeah. this was the result of stuff that happened. And I think yeah. South Africa, particularly for those of us who grew up, I think we're probably around the same age, like there is a very specific perception of yes. Africa and South Africa. That's right. And and that's it. And I feel like in, in Africa's case in particular, you know, I always, you know, I'll give you an example. I feel like there's just not enough coverage and awareness. So, you know, hurricanes, we just, you know, we were discussing this a bit earlier, hurricanes happen. And in um, a couple of years ago, I was, I remember watching coverage of two things. The one was, I forget the name of the hurricane, but it was kind of approaching, you know, the usual kind of Gulf Coast area and it was ongoing coverage. There was a cyclone that came into Mozambique at the same time. It created, it was big enough to create an inland sea. It was horrendous. Displaced wow. people, hit four countries, and you heard nothing. Yeah. So, you know, it's that we just don't know. And that that creates, you know, we sort of left with assuming the worst because it's insufficient information to kind yeah. of base decisions on. Well, and it's, you know, this is, I mean, this is going to be nothing new for you, uh, but it, it, the we talk about structures in this country and you know, we're sort of having the racial reckoning, reckoning um, and the discussions that have like 400 years, like we've not been having. And I, right. as a former journalist and a media person, like one of the things I always talk about is, look, you look for places where there's no information and ask yourself why, right? Why? Like, yeah. There yeah. is like, I, I call Africa, it's the, it's the New Mexico of the world for us, right? Like you never hear anything about New Mexico in America. <laughs> like it's just this like, <laughs> It's a place that exists, but nobody really knows. And I'm like, it's it's a little bit like that with Africa. Like you don't hear, the only thing that you really do hear is South Africa because that was British, right? Like because there were white people there, that seemed to be where news was. But the rest of the country, you, you you could not get any Americans to name five countries there. And, and there's 54, so that's, yeah. that's kind of shocking. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, right? Like, it's, it right. is, and, yeah. and I throw myself in there, like, and I, you know, I always tell people, I think of myself as a progressive person, but you're also in a system, and if you don't actively work to get outside of that system, like, that's the shit that, that just happens, right? Yeah. Like, and again, it's the result, not an outcome, right? Like, this is a, yeah. a thing that happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, I would say, you know, even, you know, as, as I said to you, a lot of folks immigrated out of South Africa and, and continue to, like, there's there's the sort of leap that people make from South Africa all the way over the rest of the continent to other places, because there's yeah. the same sense of, well, I'm just going to avoid all the stuff that I don't know. In some yeah. cases, obviously not all, yeah. um, and go and go somewhere else. But I'm like, you could probably, you'll probably be just fine in any number of these countries. Right, um, right. You know, if we had, if we had the sense that they were of an equal standing, but yeah, yeah that's, because as it turns out, nope. like, you know, like most countries are, you know, they're countries, they're places where people yeah. live and work and like do stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, exactly. obviously cultures are different, but like everybody's trying to exist and like yeah. we yeah. all sort it's of a- do the same kind of thing, right? Like government, yeah. schools, structure, whatever. Yeah, um, exactly. It's what like, I love Eastern Europe. Like I, that's where I spend a lot of my time traveling through and I, you know, like it's even, even Eastern Europe was strange because again, you don't hear a lot about that Mm -hmm. it was part of the soviet bloc and so like growing up in america it was like well that's just the evil empire and then you go there and you're like oh this is a lovely little town (laughs) you know like yeah probably with a lot of history like uh, i mean prague all those all those cities yeah Yeah. they're major capital cities like everybody speaks english like they speak four languages like everything's (laughs) fine and i'm like oh shit this is not at all what they portrayed this to be 
you know, yeah. like uh, this pub is wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm okay. So are yeah. they. You know, amazingly, yeah. life goes on. Yeah, and they're in there. You know, true. yeah. I mean, uh, 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 Budapest, which is going through its you know, Hungary is going through its own like right wing yeah. sort of. It's a little scary over there now. But you know, I was there ten years ago, seven, seven, ten years ago, and like, it's one of my favorite places on the planet. Like the oh, people wow. were just nice. Like it was, I love the, the history, um, you know, best coffee I ever had in Europe is in a place called, uh, Miyamano. Like I go there every time, like I get off the plane and I'm like, take me to Miyamano. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the cappuccino is the best in Europe. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, so were you, you grew up, what, um, were you an only child? Did you have brothers and sisters? No, I have three brothers and I'm the youngest. Oh, no shit. sisters. Oh no! <laughs> How was that? It, you know, it, it's it's it was an education. Like it's you know, you, you grow up, you grow up with brothers, and you either you know you you learn you learn you got to got to have your own voice. You got to stand up for yourself, right? Because because yeah. uh, that that's the way that's the way you roll. Yes. So it it was definitely yeah. It it was good. It was I think good for me in the end. Yeah. Um, you know, especially at the time, you know, yeah, it, it, it had certainly had its challenges, but it was good. And there was, you know, there was definitely a sense of at last, you know, my dad in particular had wanted to have a girl. So there was a, oh, at last she's here. Thank freaking God. Now we can all carry on with our lives. So, you know, so that, <laughs> so that was a good feeling. That's uh, and what were you like as a kid other than like dodging, I'm sure punches and farts from your older brothers. <laughs> <laughs> you know I think I guess pretty quiet really it was it was sort of a um yeah and, and it's always weird because you know like you know looking at it you know you know it's like you look at your life from from you know as an older person you're like wow there's just things I wasn't aware of or I didn't see or I didn't quite register at the time like oh yeah. okay that was also going on but at the time you know it was a pretty it was a regular upbringing we played in the street you know we yeah. you know watch tv and didn't you know didn't implode our brains didn't melt you know it was you know life <laughs> I've yeah. kind of carried on um pretty quiet I always wrote so you know I always had you know had that going on um and uh you know it was it was a pretty regular existence it was obviously in a hugely dysfunctional place um you know I grew up out you know so Cape Town there's a you know it's a peninsula city um you know the, the sort of the, the nicer suburbs close to the mountain were segregated as white the rest of us kind of, you know, you kind of see the mountain in the distance and you kind of back away and that's where everyone else lived. Yeah. Um, so that was, you know, that, but that's what, you know, and, and, uh, you know, it was a pretty balanced existence. We had a whole extended family, you know, we did all, all those things, spending time with them. So yeah, pretty, pretty regular despite all the weirdness. Yeah. I mean, as you know, one of the things about being a kid, like you said, as a kid, like, you don't know, like you just show up and you're like, yeah. I guess this is how it is. Yeah, exactly. You know? That's um, life. Our, and then later we're like, oh shit, that was trauma. <laughs> you talk to your therapist and they're like, that's not normal. And you're like, yeah, yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah, exactly. Oh, there's an army tank. Oh, well, okay. You know, yeah. that, that was Monday. It's Wednesday now. We'll move yeah. On. It's, you know, it's so, it's again, like this is, it's a, this is going to be a very American thing to say, but I can't help it because that's sort of my existence. We have this discussion here about, um, about race and you know there are people on the right side of things who are like well slavery was 400 years ago or whatever like i don't under and it's like they forget that like yes okay so slavery ended but like we literally grew up in a time where part of this planet where part like was segregated militarily and people yeah. were put to death for not doing that right like it's not that far away from any of us and it's it's, yeah. it's strange to me that like we don't that is a hard thing for people who are, 
you know, look like me to grasp that when we literally grew up in the shadow of it. Yeah, but, but I, I think part of the challenge of it is it's such an undoing thing to come to terms with because you literally are picking apart a lot of, you know, and, and as you should, you know, it's a lot of what, what did I think was real? What did I think was true? You know, what yeah. do I, how do I identify? What do I treat as my truth? And those are very difficult things to, to contend with. Yeah. But uh, we have to go there because we don't go there. When are we going to go there? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 I just find that part, like, as we're having this silly critical race theory discussion here, which I'm like, nobody even knows what the fuck that is, and everybody's screaming about it. Yeah. Um, you know, it just, it's, you know, Malcolm and Martin, that was the 60s. Like, it, what, like, it wasn't that long it's ago. That long ago, yeah. Yeah, like, it literally was not, like, your, like, your grandparents and parents went through all that stuff. Yeah. Right? Like, it, so it just, it's strange to me that, like, hearing that where you're like oh that's just what we did because you didn't know any different because that was what, what are you gonna do as a six-year-old nothing right exactly you're yeah just, you yeah know? you're gonna live your life did were you and you said you were like were, so you had older brothers and so did you mm. like were you like the reader and writer like is that what you did like did you sort of retreat into that space for yourself yeah yeah i think so i mean the others you know my, my brothers have have other other skills but um but yeah i guess my, i think the the, the other read and write is probably my dad. You know, yeah. my mom was, my mom, you know, as mothers are, was the one keeping all the shit together. You know, she's, you know, you know, just getting, getting everyone going and keeping, keeping the train yeah. on the tracks. And exhausted uh, dad, every day. <laughs> yeah. And she, and she was a nurse. So she was, you know, she, oh she got God. tired. Yeah. So my dad was a teacher and he was, you know, he, I think, you know, he loved books and, you know, he, he sort of always strived to make sure that we had an appreciation for them. Yeah. Um, you know, despite, you know, the circumstances. So that I think that's probably where that where that comes from for me. Yeah, I mean, what a gift! Like my, I again, I was from. A, it's a different, you know. This this program is a lot about Venn diagrams. So like, I'm always like, well, <laughs> yeah. there, there are things that are similar. Like, like obviously, yeah. there are big stuff that's different. But like, I grew up in this small Appalachian town, and like, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, and you know, if we traveled, we camped. We, you know, it was like eight dollars yeah. to stay in a tent. You know, like you could do that. And my mom and dad just instilled a love of reading in me, and like that was how I traveled. Like that was yeah. how I s experienced the world. Yes, yeah, I, I totally get that. And you kind of, and it's one. Of, it's again, it's a kid thing. You're like, oh, I this is this is a whole avenue for me, and and this is doesn't everyone do this? So you yeah. know, if I go into someone's house now and they don't have books, I'm like, well, how do you live? You know, <laughs> how do you how do you function as a human being? Yeah, you know. Yeah, so. it, even yeah, today, like I literally went to a bar last night, and I know I'm almost fifty, so I'm sure people are like, what the fuck? Like, I will take my book, go sit at like a barbecue, yeah. like an outdoor place, and I'll read you know, I'll read 50 to yeah. 75 pages and have a drink or two just because like one, I want to be around people. I don't really yeah. want to talk to them, but like, you know, my solace is this world, whatever world I'm in, in that in. book. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is yeah. like a, it's the only time I feel calm. Mm. I don't know if that's how like yeah. reading is for you, but like when I get into those spaces, it's just like everything slows down. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it has that effect. And I, I feel like there's a certain, um, you know, that's not, not escape isn't the right word, but there's a liberty to it. You mm -hmm. know, I, I think there's, I always think that there's a writer whose name, of course, I'm forgetting now, but this yeah. is, you know, he wrote an entire book by text message, um, you know, and there's, there's a horrendous tale around, you know, around him, you know, involving Australia and, and, uh, uh, and all sorts of refugee situations, but he wrote, he wrote this book through text and it was an incredibly good book. Wow. Um, and I'm like that, you know, if that's, you will find a way always to, yeah. to do these things, you know, to read, to write, because it has that ability to just yeah. take you elsewhere. And 
you know, I was I was having this discussion on Twitter with some folks the other day. I used to teach English to middle school kids um, and oh, yeah. particularly kids that were failing. That was sort of what I was trained to do. And those classes were all boys, all of them. It was like 95% boys. And I started screaming wow. 20 years ago. I was like, this is gonna hurt our world because reading is where you develop empathy, right? Like it's where mm. you are able to embody other people's stories. And if you're telling these boys like, well, they can't sit still, they can't read, they, they wanna play a game and, and you don't and teach them how to do that yeah. you lose it i i mean i guess you can get empathy other places but like with reading it's all in your head there's not a visual yeah. everything you create is yours that seems to me to be the yeah. beginning of empathy yes very much so and it's you know and everyone how can i put it it's such a personal thing you know that that's you know societies where where people kind of get censored yeah. i feel like that's you know you it's such a loss for that but it's you, it's you relating to this material, figuring out how you feel about it, what do you take from it? Yeah. It's a hugely individual thing. And I, we see what happens when we have a world where men don't have empathy. Like, you know, we tend yeah. to explode onto everybody else's shit. And, you know, right. I don't think that it's, I don't think most of them are, them. I'm one of them. Like, I don't think most of us are bad. It is that there isn't like, there isn't, it's like you're missing a thing that allows you to, to experience this range of emotions and to put them in places that aren't bad, right? That you yeah. don't just react to it. You actually can like sit in it and go, oh, this is what this is, or this must be what you're going through or what, you know, and instead of like- Yeah, exactly. Like, and yeah, <laughs> on, on everyone. Yeah, everyone. which is what we do, right? Like we're fucking right. dangerous weapons. Right, but, but I, think, I think the thing that complicates it is when there's also an inability to just listen, to just shut up, sit down and actually listen to what other people have to say. Because if you know if you if you if your view is wrong-headed and you're gonna just say well and you're not gonna you know you're gonna preach and not be quiet enough to hear what others are saying to you, you know it's just gonna be the same. It's gonna get worse. Yeah. So yeah, but I think help. some of that's I think listening is empathy. I think it's yeah. an ability to go like oh here's where my limitation is and like that limitation is okay. Like yes, the problem isn't the limitation. The problem is thinking you don't have a limitation. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> everybody fucks up it's just gonna happen like yeah no matter who you are you're gonna say and do wrong shit in your life exactly and i think reading is one of those places so like uh were your brothers like were they more like athletic sporty kind of guys so they were running around doing shit yeah yeah exactly yeah no one uh one of them was was a really good and and still he's been playing volleyball his whole life so Wow. you know that's that's his part so yeah it's one of and you know it's training it's just perennial you know balls in the house and shorts and all those things so yeah so <laughs> so very like we're all very different kids yeah um yeah one of them was so so that was him the other one was pretty quiet very you know very um intuitive introverted guy and then the opposite the the oldest two are twins is the opposite so very extroverted social social guy um you know just the, the party the guy with the lampshade on his head in the middle of the room kind of kind of <laughs> I'm familiar with that guy. <laughs> I was the youngest. Yeah. I'm the youngest in the whole family. So I like to tell oh, yeah. people I'm the entertainer. Someone's got to do that, right? Someone's got to be like, look at me. I'm here. Yeah, because from the yeah. time I was young, the whole family was like, look at Brad. Like, he's the baby. He's the last one. So I was like, I guess I'm special. And then, of course, you realize like, oh, it's only funny to your family. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's it's annoying to the rest of the fucking world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That Brad guy. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. So uh when you get to like when you're doing like high school, middle school, like what were like what were you like then? Like, did you get involved in theater or like what were you doing in school? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny you say that because I, you know, I, I remember so I wrote and I remember writing a little screenplay at school about the the environment. The ozone layer was the big thing at the time. So yeah. we did a whole, you know, this is did the a whole 80s. Thing this about must the, have been the 80s. Yeah, this yeah. was the 80s. So, you know, a little a little thing about the ozone hole. And that was the first time I wrote something that other people actually consumed, you know, and it sort of stayed with me. But yeah, so so definitely that. And you know, I had this idea I was gonna publish by the time I was in my teens, I was gonna be that person. You know, so I'd write little, you know, I love science fiction and fantasy. So, you know, I wrote a lot of those little stories as well. Um, and music, I was a huge, you know, huge music fan. Yeah. Um, you know, late, late 80s, 90s, all just all sorts that of things. That was the perfect time for music. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. You know, yeah. it's, I will uh, hear and, no and other another... arguments from anybody like that was peak music. <laughs> it was the halcyon. <laughs> yeah. Keep your Beatles, whatever, like uh, whatever. Like, thank you. Like, yeah. lead me into yeah. that fucking uh, like punk Nirvana Pearl Jam, yeah. like all the alternative stuff. Yeah. 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 Like that was like, and I funny, uh, I used to go to this all night dance club and we have a Facebook group because it closed, but like oh, yeah. 25 years later, everybody was like, that was such a transformative experience. And the old DJs right. keep making Spotify playlists of like, oh, my you know, word. Fortuna, like all these old like house dance shit. And it's just like, oh yeah. my God, like 22 sucked, but that. <laughs> From 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. was the best time ever. <laughs> Absolutely. And now I'm like, I don't know, my knees, my knees just like cold at the thought of doing that now. But yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I was in bed at 9.30 two nights ago, so I would miss, <laughs> I would miss the house yeah. music. Happening. When you leave the house at 11, yeah, that's, those are the days. Yeah, that means my dog is sick and we're going to the hospital. That's the only <laughs> time I'm leaving at fucking 11 p.m. <laughs> So, like, what makes you write this play? Like, how old were you when you wrote this great, like, this thing? Oh, man, this was, I must have been, like, I don't know, 12, 12, 13. And, you know, oh, it, it's, I, like, I never, I never thought about it. It was just, you know, it's one of those things I just, I write. So that's, you know, you just yeah. kind of do that, you know. I was like, well, of course I'm just going to write this. So I, I don't even think there was any sort of conscious thought. It just, no. it, it arrived. Yeah. You know, and, uh, yeah. It's the precociousness of the young writer. Yeah. Like, I remember being like, you know, in college and sort of writing short stories like the world's got to the world's got to read this. Mm. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and again, you're of like, of course oh. they will. Yeah. And they love it. Yeah. yeah. This is like being the youngest in the family. Then you go out and you're like, oh, yeah, nobody wants to read this. <laughs> <laughs> what the, the fuck was I doing? Like, yeah. this was terrible. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so as you're in, um, well, and I rarely do research, but I did like I saw this in the bio. So I have to ask because Tom Robbins is like one of my favorite. writers. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Just yeah. because like it's just, like I can't remember what book it is, but like one of his editors wanted the book longer. And so he would write a page about his typewriter in the book. Like there are the oh, I can't remember gosh. which book it was. It was like another oh, roadside attraction or something. And yeah, I was like, when yeah, I read it oh. in my 20s, I was like, what the fuck is this? And then when I read yeah. why he did that later, I'm like, well, he's my hero. Oh, you want the book longer? Like, I'm going to thank my typewriter in the middle of the book. And like, okay, that's. Oh my gosh. That's cut. Yeah. I, I can't remember which one it was, but now. But you know, like the book, right? going off. Yeah. maybe still life yeah, with yeah. woodpecker or like whatever. Yeah, like, I can't remember. One of those. Even Cargill's get the blues. Or yeah. Another roadside attraction. Or, another yeah, roadside attraction is one of my favorite books of all time. Like yeah. just for the last scene of like Jesus and the monkeys in the hot yes, air balloon. I was yes. just like, what the fuck is this guy? <laughs> like, what is happening? <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that's the thing. That's what I love. That's what I loved about his writing was you're like, what just happened? Yeah. You know, and and I liked it. Yeah. You know? And it made me think about stuff. Yeah. I mean, there there are lines from his books that I remember to this day because yeah. you know, I, I feel like he he's he, he like he just made language fun. You know, he just he made you think like you can turn it, turn it around, do this, do that with it. You know, make it make it philosophical, make you think, make it entertaining. You know, make it silly, make it a lot of different things. Yeah, so. all in the page. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know, it's all happening at once, and like you just had to sort of grab on and go for the ride because you were yes. never quite sure. You know, like even yeah. like they tried to make going? even cowgirls uh, get uh, get the blues into a movie, and you know, have like the the big thumb, and I was like, you just can't turn magical realism into into that. Yeah. yeah, like it's, you know, like they did a little bit with uh, the Hunter Thompson, like uh, uh, Las Vegas. But like, oh, I, yeah, I yeah, watched no, that and yeah. I'm like, ah, magical realism just really doesn't translate that well. Yeah. Into film. It's in your head. Yeah, yeah it's got to be in your head. It's always going to be weirder in your head. And when they yes. try to make that weird, you're like, that's the wrong weird. Yeah, <laughs> like that's not. <laughs> I didn't see that. Yeah. That. Yeah, I don't <laughs> I didn't like that. So what got you? Did you just like discover Tom Robbins? I did. So we had, you know, we had a library, um, you know, and, and I know it sounds weird to people, but we would just, I'd walk to the library at night, you know, go and get books yeah. and it was, it was perfectly fine. Um, and, you know, I, I love just finding, like, I love bookstores and, you know, secondhand bookstores, libraries where you don't know what you're going to find. Yeah. Um, like I can find, you know, that I love that experience. So I just picked up the first book of his that I read was Shit About Perfume. Oh and yeah. I will, that's I'll a remember great one. It to this day. That, yeah. yeah. That just, that's that was pan, me. right? Wasn't that pan? Yeah. That yeah. was pan. And the coconut moves. Yeah. I always yeah. <laughs> remember those. So. I read that after another roadside attraction was like, well, this is a whole yeah. fucking different book. Like this. Yeah. Is, like, yeah. It's just this another all together. Yeah. All weird. Yeah. Like pan and the loot coming down. was like, Oh, okay. I guess we're just having, yeah, I guess we're doing that. Yeah. yeah I guess we're doing orgies. I guess that's what I'm reading about. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah. And You're not yeah, training so ants anymore. Yeah. We, we've moved on. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, one, one led, led to the next from there. Is that, so is, is that sort of like, you know, like mine is um, Fitzgerald. Like you can't, I have a, upstairs. I have, all of his books i have all of his letters yeah. i have all of um his wife's you know writing like that was sort of my entreeway i actually copied the great gatsby by hand into a notebook wow. when i was young because i want that was how i learned to yeah i, I grew up i'm, I'm guessing like that we're cadence. not that dissimilar like i grew up in an oral culture like i read but i come from people that like were not that didn't right and so yeah yeah I learned to tell stories literally sitting around a campfire. I never really yes. got formal training. And so like when I was like, when I decided I wanted to be a writer, I'm like, well, I want to experience what it's like to write this thing that I love. Yes. And so that was, so, that resonates. Yeah. So it was like Robbins, like, was that, was he sort of that for you? Like that, like, Oh, this is the thing. Yeah. I think, you know, I think, and, and again, it's at the time I probably didn't quite register that, but there were of a couple of writers. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was, and there was another, another writer, uh, Louis de Bernier, who people know more for Captain Corelli's Mandolin, but there were other books. He wrote the series of books that were set in, in central, central and Southern America. Yeah. And the one that I remember the first one was the war of Don Emmanuel's nether parts, which, I mean, just the title is just, it tells <laughs> yeah. you everything. <laughs> I could see and, how that and Tom Robbins would those that I could see how yeah. those go together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, so, you know, I think, I mean, you know, and like, like the whole area just intrigued me. It's still a place that I want to visit, but 
it was it was the same it was that that kind of real sense of you know my introduction i guess to literature was magic realism yeah and understanding that you know just seeing like why would you have these boundaries when you can see or you can do all of this stuff and turn things around so yeah so so the two of them i think at the time you know were were really were really key for me yeah it's interesting when i read uh uh, uh the underground railroad uh uh colson whitehead whitehead uh, yeah I did not realize it like when I was I was super confused when I was reading the book because I was like, the fuck is this tra-? like what if it wasn't until I literally was like, I mean, I'm a fairly well read person. I'm like a quarter of the way through the book. I'm like, oh, this is magic realism. This is not I, so like I don't understand. Like, was this an alternate history? Like what's happening? I'm like, oh, this is Tom Robbins with the because <laughs> I, I don't like reading about stuff before I read it, I want to experience mm. it, the, you know, yeah. the way an author wants you to experience, which is open the yes. book and like you're into it. So you're trying to discover yeah. the world. And like, I was like, well, this taught me a thing about myself, which is that maybe I'm too <laughs> literal and serious. <laughs> when the fucking train is pulling up, that that's not real. <laughs> exactly. But well, I, I think the way that he wrote that was, you know, you, you kind of, you're going along with it. Like it feels yeah. that the whole tone and, and everything, the urgency yeah. around it, you're like, this is get on the train, you know, get on the next train. So, yeah. It, yeah I mean, it was, it was, it, you know, I didn't like it at first. And then I reflected and I was like, he was so good at creating, like, I, you know, you just, as a reader, you go along with the world you go and with you it. Assume yeah. that like, it will be revealed. And I'm like, oh, there's nothing to be revealed. Like, this is just mad. This is a genre. And like, this yes. is not a, he's not setting you up for anything. This is a thing. And I was like, well, that's really fucking good that like, He's, yeah. you know, he wrote that in such a way that like, I just was like, yeah, I guess there's a train. Yeah, exactly. And you, <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was incredibly well done. Yeah. And that's very, the thing, like the, there's, there's, there's sort of the, the spectrum of what you can do with it, you know, and, and yeah. that sort of area of possibility is, uh, is great. Well, and I would suspect, you know, I was a sci-fi, I'm actually reading uh, Adrian Tchaikovsky's latest book. He wrote, um, Children of Time, which is one of the best science fiction books I've ever read. He's got a new book out mm-hmm. now. But like there is something about science fiction that allows you to write about what is happening now and, you know, have yes. subjects, right? That, you know, yeah. I'm not breaking new ground with this. So like I would assume the science fiction and the magic realism, like for you, again, you don't know it at the time, but you're like, oh, this is this is my this is my thing. This is how I'll be yeah. able to do the stories that I want to do. Yeah, exactly. That, that's exactly it. I mean, and you know, it's what what I read. Like, I, I, you know, all all those old shows, the you know, old Battlestar, the old Star Trek, Star Trek fan. You know, all those things. It's it's that sense of um, of being able to look at look at a situation literally from outside. Of course, yeah. in the case of those of those stories, you physically are on some other planet, so you're looking in, you know, on yeah. on human behavior in a, in a different way. Um, yeah, so it's it definitely. I guess it was an education in a particular way and in, in how to approach the page. Yeah. And I mean, I, this is why I like doing this show because it's like, oh yeah, like that's, that's the entryway. Right. Because, yeah. um, you know, we're, uh, you know, again, a very Americentric thing, but like black and brown folks don't have a lot of space where they can tell their stories. Right. Like that's, I mean, it's getting, there's more of those spaces now, but like science fiction right. is that place that magic realism is that I just, it doesn't go lost on me that Colson Whitehead does the underground railroad as magic realism to talk about a thing because people white folks can dissociate and be like well this is not me like eh, that's you like that's interesting you. yeah yeah like that yeah. i mean i that, i don't know if that's true but that's just my experience of that stuff is like you can tell hard truths in a way that white folks will not feel attacked which i know is a fucking stupid way to have to tell stories but i don't know if they yeah, would read it's a, an outcome 
Yeah, I don't know if like white folks would read a, a story about the Underground Railroad that wasn't that way because it would be such a brutal condemnation of, you know, white right. structures of America that I think a lot of folks would be like, eh, it's not a beach read. <laughs> it's, not, <you> know? <laughs> it's not, yeah. Yeah, and, and that I think, you know, that's, 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 the, that's the art, I think, in the craft of writing. You know, I think the challenge yeah. to us is, how, how do you tell the story so that you can draw in the widest possible range of people, yeah. people who, you, you know, who you may never think that that's your, your demographic, but yeah. how, how do you do this in a way that draws, that draws people to you and has them, has them come along with you? And it will be painful for some and it will be, you know, for some it's not going to have any value, you know, like that. <laughs> There's a whole range of possibilities there, but that's yeah. our, our work is, is to make that happen. Yeah. And, uh, have you read Homegoing by Yal Jossi? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That is, yeah. I've like, I just that stopped reading epic. that. Oh my God. And she was 26 when she wrote that. It's like yeah. one of those things where I'm like, that's her first book in the Ivory Winers workshop. And I'm like, I hate her. Ah, she's so good. Like that book. <laughs> and like Transcends, uh, Trans uh, Transcendent Kingdom, which was the second one. Yeah, like, I haven't I haven't read that yet. It's really good, but like it's never like I was I was reading the reviews after I read it. I'm like, well, yeah, everybody's gonna be like, it's not as good as the first one. I'm like, yeah, but it's still really fucking good. Like homegoing is like tr like it is the best that's the best book i've read in, in in my whole life like it was so good right um, yeah no it, it was it, yeah i love i love the way that she just kind of wove through these different experiences yeah. it was yeah like just the, the the way that you know the scale of thinking about it and bringing that together and bringing the threads together yeah yeah and i you know i've told folks like it only a Ghanaian american could have written that book because it both had british african and american yeah. stories in it in yeah. a way that like both nobody gets out nobody gets out free right like everybody gets their thing um yep. but also there are scales of what that you know like you get to think like well did the tribes have a choice like yes they participated but like did they right like if they yep. were all getting murdered like did they really participate and like it was just such a powerful like it was one of those things i got done reading i'm like i don't even know how you would plot that out like it's yeah, at, no, at twenty six, it, like, mo monumental. Yeah, yeah. so the maturity to do that at twenty six is. Yeah. No, I yeah. Yeah, I can't outline for shit, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> but again, like that's one of those, and it's not magic realism, but there were elements of, I felt like not fantasy, but like, the world that she was creating, particularly sort of pre America, in the dungeon. In the, you know, like, it, I don't know, like, yeah. there were just parts of that that felt very fantastical to me that I was reading and I was like, man, this is so, this world is so amazing that she's created. Yeah, there was a vividness, I think, that, yeah. you know, it's like a, a, um, like a hyper, you know, how can I play it? How can I say it? to kind of really play up reality by, by being so very meticulous yeah, yeah. about how you say something, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah 100%. You know, it takes on this bigger, this other dimension. Yeah. I mean, I had to stop reading it in public because I would just be like weeping uncontrollably. And, I, you know, I tell people like there's oh, nothing scarier than a middle aged white guy weeping uncontrollably <laughs> in public. Everybody's like, what the fuck is about to happen? Right? And I'm like, I can't put people through this. So I'm just going to sit in my house and cry reading the book. <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and then we're going to talk about sort of post high school life and like where things go. So we'll be back in just a sure. second. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. 
With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Okay, so uh, we, we last left with magic realism and writing and the amazingness of that. So you finish high school and what was, mm-hmm. did you have a plan? Like, were you headed to college? Like, what was the, what was the post high school plan for you? So um, there was no, I didn't end up going to university full time. Um, and that was, it was weird. It was like this. So, so I, I think to, to take, a st- take a step back. So in, in the sort of culture that I'm from, you know, women generally, you get married at a young age and that's like, that's the goal is, you know, settle down. Like that's the definition of settling down. So there wasn't, at least at that time, again, we're talking, you know, late eighties, there's not a yeah. big like career focus, like go and, you know, go and be, be whatever you can be, which is what we tell our kids now. <laughs> yeah. um, like the, the expectation was a certain degree of, of stability and that, that sort of, uh, you know, was where it really came from. So, you know, it was like, well, you're going to become a teacher, a nurse or a bank teller like that. If you hit one of those three things, you're good, um, which are none of them really interested me. And, you know, great <laughs> professions, but not, not for me. Yeah. Um, so I ended up working full time and I, I worked at KFC of all places for a while. Um, and then I moved on from there to other jobs and I, I studied. I studied English. Um, I did night school and, uh, you know, I decided I was going to try, you know, let's see if I can do journalism. Let's figure out communication science in English and and those became our pursuits. And then I moved from there into IT, you know, because that was, that's really where, like now there's a path of, of a bit more mobility and a bit yeah. more, a bit more money, a bit more, you know, in the way of options. So that's, that's what I pursued as well. So that become, has, has always been the twinning of my life is working in those two professions, working in IT and working as a writer. That's really fascinating. Like it is, and again, like in the Venn diagram of things, like I come from a place where most people don't go to college. Like that's just mm-hmm. most like, and so, you know, they, they, they pursued the, and like many of them became non-traditional students later on, or they just sort of went into right. the profession and like the training they did was in their profession. Right. Um, was it a thing like, as that was, did you know when you were 18, like these three things, I, you know, nurse banked it like married, like I'm not doing oh, yeah. any of that. Like yeah. you knew like, yeah, I'm yeah. going to be carving out my own little space in this world. Yeah, I mean, I think my options in, you know, in my head were I'm going to either become a chef, an astronomer, you know, <laughs> some other, <laughs> like the, the range was wide of things that I've thought through, but I knew that those, you know, and, and again, it wasn't about those jobs in particular, it was just about someone telling me what I had to be, like, that is what I objected to, you know, so I was like, well, I'm going to figure this out. I don't know right now, but I need to, I know that I need the space to make the decision for myself. Yeah. 
It's interesting, you know, you had talked about um, earlier uh, about magic realism and sort of being on the outside. One of the themes of this show is I don't think you can be a writer and be the coolest person in the room. I think you always have to be somebody that is like on the outside looking in yeah. and trying yeah. to dissect and understand. And so ev like every writer's path is both the same and different, right? Like I, I hear versions of this from everybody, which is like, yeah, this thing wasn't, whatever this normal thing was, I was not going to do because I spent my life on the outside looking in at it and thinking like, this, that didn't make sense to me. Yeah. Wanna, there's this other thing that I feel like I need to do. I don't know what it is, exactly. but there's this other thing. Yeah. And it's, it's the unknown path, but, um, but that doesn't, you know, but so what, you know, you're going to, yeah. you know, you're going to kind of go there anyway and, and figure out what that is for you. And maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but at least then, you know, you know, the answer for yourself. Yeah, I can't. I mean, I've heard this version. I've been doing this show for seven years. Literally every interview is like this, right? It's like, yeah, <laughs> very rare. Like, it's been like a couple of people that are like, I uh, was six and knew I was going to be a writer. But everybody else, right. just, there was like this unease of like, I'm trying to fit in, but none of those yeah, yeah. slots really fucking make sense to me. Yes. And there is this, whether you know it or not, everything you're doing is about storytelling and, and, and figuring that out until you get to a point yeah. where it happens. Yeah, yeah, that, that's <laughs> it. But it's, it's like this, it's like this weird, you know, slow rolling journey that is, is happening. And then like, oh, this is why I'm on this road. Oh, yeah. okay. And, you know, now I get it. Yeah. And it pays no money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you get there you know, and you're like, so this have was to a eat. terrible decision. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it yeah it's a, yeah because you know we grew up in a time when like writers were still revered like we didn't know that shit was going to yes. change true no, nobody true. told us in the aughts that that was not going to be a thing anymore <laughs> yeah yeah that's it and it was like like even you know like it was never i wouldn't say that that art wasn't valued where i was from it certainly was but it was like you know like if i said in high school i was going to be a writer people would be like well that's a, that's a ridiculous idea yeah. why would you how, how yeah. when why you know so many questions so yeah yeah i mean i have a teaching degree because when i wanted to study to be a writer in college my dad was like maybe be a teacher and you can write in the summer which <laughs> Yeah, I've, the, yeah, the joke I've always said is, well, there's two things about that. One, you're so fucking tired, you don't write in the summer. Uh, and two, why did you pick yeah. the only other profession that makes less money and has less respect <laughs> than writing? Like, that feels like you should, I, IT makes more sense. Like, hey, there's money and stability in that, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, and uh, with teachers, at least here in America, like, you know, now apparently yeah. teaching is indoctrinating. Like, okay, that's what? <sighs> oh, fine. You know, like, what's happening? Like, yeah. Uh, oh, so, man. so it's apt to like, do you move out? Like when you're 18, like, are you, or do you, are, do you like stay in the house? Like how oh, uncomfortable yeah. was it that you I'm, were not doing the thing? <laughs> you know, I know I, I stayed as long as I could. <laughs> <So> I, was, <laughs> I was in no hurry. Um, I mean, I, I don't think there was discomfort. There was, you know, as long as I was working and earning money and, you know, and there was that kind of well, contribution good. happening, that was, people were kind of fine with it. Um, no, I'm, I moved out in, in my late twenties. I bought my own place, you know, went, got out, you know, moved on, um, and that, you know, and from there, you know, kind of, you know, moved elsewhere. Um, yeah. So no, it took, it took a little while, but it was, it, it's, it was also just about, um, the fact that things were okay. You know, like I was, I was comfortable being around, being around my parents. They were, you know, my dad in particular was elderly. So just being a part of that network and being close to them, I think, you know, was good for, for as long as, as long as possible. Yeah. Well, it's good that they supported you in 
finding your own path. That's yeah, most did, important yeah. thing parents can do. Yeah, it is. And and they wouldn't like, you know, like the helicopter parents we have now, where it's like, okay. go kid, you know, like all that kind of yeah. very granola stuff. It was just, that was like, okay, well you go do that. But you know, as long as you're checking these boxes, that's okay. Yeah. You know, have at it. Yeah. No, my parents were this, like, I went to school, but like they sold the house and they were like, yeah, we bought a place that doesn't have, like, you can't come home. There's not a, there's not a bedroom for you when you wow. come home. Yeah. Wow. That's cold. Yeah. Oh, the best story. When my parents dropped me off at college, mom is weeping uncontrollably. And my dad sort of like pushes her in the car, walks over, shakes my hand and goes, I'm done. And got in the car and drove away. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I tell people today, like I tell, I, and they love me. And like, you know, there was a place yeah, I yeah, could have crashed for a couple of weeks, but like I tell people yeah. today, I'm like, you know, we didn't have a lot of money and they were like, yeah, yeah, let's fucking 18. Like time's up. Kid. <laughs> <laughs> like, so whatever you do, drop out, stay in school. Like you better get a job. Cause yeah. there's no, yeah. there's no room at the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> so when you, did you buy a house down in Cape town or like, when did you, like, I did. So yeah, how long did so, you stay there after you left the house? Like, so I was, oh goodness, I was in Cape Town. You can, I'm like having to work backwards here through the years. Um, <laughs> but probably for about six years after I'd moved out, I, I stayed on. And, you know, it, it was, you know, it, it was, again, great, great social, social environment was good. I love being outdoors, um, you know, so that, and Cape Town has all of that. Like you can yeah. go and hike and climb and, then you can go and lie on the beach and have a, you know, and, and then you can go have a beer. It's like all these things can happen in the same day. And, it, and it's all just, just st stunningly beautiful. Yeah. So that, you know, so I lived that life for, for a while and then it was, well, okay. So now this place is feeling a bit small, yeah. you know, let's, let's go, let's go and see what else there is to see. And uh, how, like, when did the big change happen there? Like from tanks on the street and shit like that. Like, cause I'm, that happened a while ago, but it, it did. Yeah. So so the 80s, you know, I mean, the, the country was never really like especially stable, but um, in the in the mid 80s, we, you know, there were um, states of emergency that came in, which meant that the government could legally, you know, deploy yeah. the army to, you know, patrol its own people, which, of course, didn't want to do that. The army didn't want to do that necessarily, but that who cared what they thought. So, <laughs> um, so, so that was, so the 80s was really marked by a lot of that. Things kind of escalated, you know, from there. So. I think by the time we got to, and of course, in parallel with this, as we find out later, there had been discussions and negotiations going on um, to end apartheid, not because people had a change of heart, but because it was becoming economically infeasible. Yeah. So, you know, so all of that sort of got to a point in the, you know, 1990, where there was, where there was that change. So, you know, so I, I was at home with, with my folks when that kind of happened and yeah. 1990 onward, you know, Mandela was, was freed, yeah. you know, that, that period um, sort of, you know, moved forward. So things, you know, the, like that element of the of the the, the sort of martial law part of it, um, what what was in effect martial law, that kind of, you know, passed on. But yeah. uh, you know, other and there was, you know, that was obviously quite a you know quite a different time in the country as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're familiar with Jim Crow here, so I'm assuming that even though the uh, one part of it end, I'm sure the other part of it was still lingering around for yeah. some time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and and still does in both yeah. countries. Yeah, I mean, as it turns out, yeah. They're really good yeah. at embedding that shit into the nature of the government. So, but it must have felt, I, I can't imagine, but like part of the, like staying there sort of post that must have also felt like this is my home. Like this is yeah. like, I'm staying here because this is, because fuck you, right? Like, because <laughs> this is over and now <laughs> this is ours, right? Yeah, like, is exactly, there some of that? Yeah. Like, yeah. 
Oh, totally. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, a lot of, <laughs> I didn't know how to of, elegantly put that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I get, I get what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> I think a, lo a lot of people like left South Africa, you know, for, for various reasons and people are entitled to do that. Sure. Um, but I, you know, it, it was a difficult choice for me because I like living there because of exactly that it's, it's, you know, it's my home in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, it's what I know, you know, there's all that familiarity. Um, and it was great, I think, to, to, to be there for, I guess, what was, was really a, a long spell. We only left in, in 2007. So um, a long time after of really just seeing how the, how the country changed. Yeah. And, and I think people, you know, there's a tremendous amount of energy among South Africans. Like we, we just uh, incredibly, you know, thick skinned, resilient, yeah. you know, bunch of people with a great sense of humor and all of that. Um, so, you know, it was lovely to sort of see that that period unfold. It's, yeah. it's not, you know, it's not utopia, but it was, it was good to be a part of that. Yeah. My writing partner moved to Berlin. Uh, they've lived there for uh, 17 or 18 years. Obviously it was a few right. years after the wall came down, but they lived in what had been East Berlin. And so every time uh -huh. I'd go over and, you know, spend time over there, it, it had that same kind of like artistic, weird, creative energy like everything just sort of like it was so weird like you could tell when you're in west berlin you could tell when you're in east berlin even though the wow. wall wasn't there just because the energy in this place right where like people had yeah. been locked behind a wall and like yeah. literally were being taken out of their house and everybody was spying on each other because they had to like there was just this like freedom like it i don't yes. know how else to explain it but like you just could feel that energy there'd be pop-up yeah. bars everywhere just like it was a sense of joy almost like yes that was palpable that you can just feel yeah yeah that's a, there's, there's such a strong sense of possibility yeah you know and, and i think you know i think at that time um so there was a government government of national unity in, in effect from 94 oh, yeah. but yeah. that was the genius of nelson mandela was was that ability to and to kind of really you know craft craft those situations and the circumstances where that kind of really came forward and to bring people along yeah. along with him and so you, you say you leave in 2007 mm -hmm. what spurred that curiosity i think you know it, it was <laughs> that's the most writer answer ever like <laughs> I needed new questions to answer. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. I'm like, you know, like, like life is good and, and life, you know, again, could, could continue as it was. Um, but like, you know, as, you know, like I said to you, it, it's Cape Town's a long, long way from other places. So I wanted to go and travel elsewhere, see other places. So, you know, managed to get, managed to end up working in, on the East Coast in the humid, humid, hot <laughs> part of the world, not far from Pittsburgh. Oh, is um, that when you were in Virginia? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was, that was Virginia which was a very weird place to be because it's so flat. Like I, you know, that's my yeah. enduring memory of it. I know there's the, you know, the, the rolling hills of Appalachia if, and I, I love going into West Virginia. If you're on the east side, it is. If you get to the west side, yeah, you start to get yeah, towards those mountains. <laughs> yeah, and, it's, and, and I think, I think that, honestly, it, it sounds weird, but West Virginia made Virginia manageable yeah. because it was just, it was so yeah. beautiful. It's, you know, I love, I love going, I love going there. Oh yeah, Wheeling and Morgantown are two of my favorite. I, I'm an hour from both of them and like, you know, again, like in a like we talked about the way in which people view things like people view West Virginia in this country as this sort of back ass place. You know, like yeah. I always tell folks, like my accent is is along the West Virginia, Kentucky border. Like that's mm -hmm. uh, and I tell people like every time I open my mouth, people are like, oh, you're smart. Like we're not used to hearing that, you know, and like there's just <laughs> this like that's the. Wow. That, I mean, that's the prevailing idea of that place. But when right. you go there, West Virginia is gorgeous. The mountains it's, and the yeah. trails, oh, water, oh, beautiful. Yeah, 
it's it, it really really is and I, and I've, i mean i found the people just fine like you know I'd, I'd spend i climbed so you spend you know you're climbing with people you have to be in yeah. close proximity with them all of those things <laughs> and you know and they would joke about the whole you know the banjo everyone yeah. jokes about these played the banjos are playing you know run kind of thing because it was funny <laughs> for them but you know just yeah no i i've got i've got good memories of, of that yeah. part of the world i mean it's it, it's 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 i guess like I try to draw lines and I'm like, yeah, I guess there are probably similarities between, again, not the nature of it, but like there is a recognizableness to it. Like, oh, yes, I understand this place. Yes. And, you know, like these are put upon people who are dismissed and not taken seriously. And, you know, it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, like there is a homeness yeah, to that. I know like, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I get yeah, this, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, I, and I just, I was just, I just realized like Appalachia is part of your book too. Yeah, it is. So, so now, now you know why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now you yeah. know why. I always get very yeah, excited it, when I see Appalachia because my family's been there for 300 years. I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it certainly is. And it's like, it, it was fascinating even just doing doing research, you know, just out of general interest and for this book, just understanding the makeup of, of Appalachians. Like that, that's also, that's a whole story, many stories, you know, that- uh, that I'm working you know, on a book about that understand. myself. Yeah. Ooh, that <laughs> sounds good. But it's, it. I mean, that is- um, First of all, you, you you pronounced it correctly, so I really appreciate that. <laughs> I can tell you live there because everybody else calls it Appalachian. We're like, that's not a thing. That's not a thing. <laughs> the Appalachia is the right. Yeah. So, that's the uh, all right. So when do you start working on the book? Because books take a lifetime, but I find they take about 10 yeah. years to write. But a lifetime yeah, to write. This, you, yeah. you got it. This, yeah. this was exactly, it was exactly like literally we left in 2007, my husband and I, 2008, boom. You know, I, I began working on it, and it, it was that process of um, of really looking back and trying to understand South Africa and, and trying to sort of hypothesize about these. You know, if 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 I had lived in a different time, you know, was one of the questions I wanted to answer. But also, just what are all the things that I didn't really think about, you yeah. know, and didn't really know? Um, and I mean, the the one of the things is just terminology, like the way that we talk about race in South Africa is very different to the way, and and it's casual in South Africa. Like people will ask you to your face, you are you are you this that or that. <laughs> and you know, in other places, we'd be like, "Oh my God, you can't yeah. use, you know, don't call me that." Um, so you know, so there's all these different things that I wanted to process and understand, and yeah. that was, you know, as as I left, I was like, it was partly that, but also, you know, either just write something or just stop trying to pursue that because you can't, you know, just should I get off the pot? Like pick a pick a thing, and that was, you know, was yeah. literally my thought process. So it's so so, so it began. It's so strange. Like the ten year thing seems to be like. You know, and, and I always tell yeah. people, like, I tell non-writers, like, the first book you read is their fourth book. So they've either rewritten that book three times, or they got three other <laughs> yeah. books that are in a in a drawer somewhere, and it takes yeah. 10 years, because yeah. it just seems to be the gestation process that everybody goes through. Yeah, yeah, it is, because I think, like, I didn't know how to write a book. I knew, I, I knew what, what the story was, and I kind of knew what the characters were. And I was like, you know, I, I do this thing where I'm like, oh, just just do the what comes next draft. Like literally just answer that question. Yeah. Who cares where it's going to go? Just do that. And then, you know, and I, and I did that several times. And then, you know, I had to figure out, okay, there's point of view and there's all these other factors oh, yeah. you know, to, to think about. Tense. Tense is the thing that gets yeah. me. I'm like, oh, yeah. shit. Like I've written this in four different tenses. Like, what's, <laughs> what's happening? Yes. Did it happen? Is where it happening? Will it happen? Like which one, Brad? <laughs> Choose one. That's some Pretty shit they don't so. tell you early on. <laughs> like, exactly. You know, but, but uh, it's important to kind of get that down and then you can figure that out. Yeah. Like, does your character know everything or nothing? Then like make it yes. the same all the way through. Yes. 
Oh, really? Yeah, like that's some bullshit. So yeah. um, as you sat down, like it's interesting. You said like the the, the other premise is that every every book is a is a I don't think any author is in the book they write. I mean, obviously we pull experiences mm -hmm. and things like that, but the question yeah. is, and so this yeah. book, the question for you is what did I miss? What did I not know that I didn't know growing up in that? Yeah, like, so, so part of it is just, is a more, is a more fulsome understanding of, of South Africa. And, yeah. and, you know, and again, you know, there's, it's funny, you know, talking about teaching as indoctrination because we had that in, in effect, you know, yeah. growing up, there was, you know, this is the, this is the history that we're going to give you as, yeah. you know, as, you know, as, you know, good colored students. And that's what you process. Uh, but then you're like, oh, wait, there's, there's all these other things that, you know, that I didn't know. And it's, and it's, it's multi-generational. Yeah. So it was an opportunity to kind of figure that out for myself um, and, and answer some of those questions and really get to know, it sounds weird, but get to know my own country by looking at it from the outside, which I think is a completely different point of view that you, yeah. that you obtain. But that's, again, the premise. I don't think you can be a writer and be in the center of the room. I think you yeah, have to no, be you out. Can't. It is yeah. why it's, you know, the joke I always make is to be a writer, you have to both be so narcissistic that you think what you say matters, but then you're also so self-loathing that you think nobody cares what you have to say. Like both of those <laughs> things, and you can't be in the middle of the room with both of those feelings. You just are yes. quiet against the wall. Like, Ugh. yeah, yeah, that, that, that's exactly it. Like it, it's not... It, it's work like it, it the, the job is to like for me the job is to you know articulate have the characters articulate what they need and yeah. pull it all together in a plot like that's that's the work it's not about me it's about that you know yeah. those that that's that sort of setting and those characters yeah and you know it's uh, particularly for, uh, when i talk to memoirists i'm always like people don't realize when you read even if it's a memoir you are reading the character of the author you are not learning mm -hmm. about the author you are learning about the person that they created on the page and so yes. that's why I just never ask like, oh, what's you? What's not you? I'm like, it's all you. None of it's you. Like, that's the thing, right? Yeah. Like it is yeah, the service true. of a story, whatever art, whatever learning that happens for you while you're writing and you yeah. can't write it until that's already until, you know, so yeah, it's, you know, three years before the book came out, you got everything out of the book that you were going to get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's just the that's, product. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really yeah, care what you separation. all think about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the book is uh, Conspiracy of Mothers and it's out and it's out in October. Yeah. Yeah. It's out on October 1st. It's, it's a, an Amazon first deeds, you know, pick now. So it's, it's available now through September through, through that program. That's huge. But, thanks man. Yeah. That's but the official awesome. date is October 1st. Are like, how excited were you when that happened? Like that's a big deal for the first book. Yeah, it, it's, you know, it, it's one of those, I, I don't know things, so I'm, I'm realizing it as, as it happens. Oh, okay, that's This is that's like being bad. 12 and writing a screenplay, like, I, everybody yeah. wants to see this. This is just what happens <laughs> with your first book. Yeah. <laughs> no, thanks. You know, it, it was weird, like I was saying, saying to friends, it's like, I'm in this weird place where people I don't know who are not my critique group members or not, you know, friends or whatever are now reading, are reading my books, so... But, you know, as you say, you, you, you know, it, it's, it's work. So you kind of have to have some degree of detachment from it and, yeah. you know, and understand that, you, you know, it's going to be what it's going to be. Some are going to love it. Some are going to hate it. Yeah. Well, so and, you know, with that. I never read the books until after I talk to people specifically. I mean, I'm a writer and an editor, right? So like, right. And I, I, I have come to realize that I read differently than like normal people. Like I don't read a book for enjoyment. I read the book because I'm interested in what you have to say. I'm interested in how you're trying to say it. And so like, I don't need to right. see myself in your question, right? Like that's, 
Yeah. And I think that's a silly, I mean, not a silly reason for people that read that way, but like, for me, I'm like, no, no, I want to, I'm interested in your question. And so right. I always, when I review books, I'm always, this is what the author was trying to do. This is how they did it. And not, I liked yeah. it or I didn't like it because that's irrelevant. You don't give right, a shit whether right. I like your book or not. Right? Like, you care <laughs> if I understand what it, I mean, you want people to like it, but like, yeah, you yeah. want them to experience the story and the, and yeah. the question. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, fully with, with the full understanding that they will take from it, you know, what, what, what applies to them in that moment in yeah. their lives at that time. Like, yeah. I, I cannot control that, but that's yeah. exactly it. Is, is, does this have value for you? Yeah. It's whenever people would come up and tell me that they liked or didn't like my book, my answer is always the same. And I'm, I got to figure out yes. a better way to say it because I'd say like, I don't care whether you like it or not. What I care about is what is it that your life experience was that that made yeah. you interact with? Like, I want your story now. Like, this story yeah. is a conduit for a conversation, not uh, not like a one way thing where you just give me a thumbs up or thumbs down. Like, that's not yeah, what reading exactly. is. Exactly. Right. Like Exactly. Well, I am super excited to read this book because uh, you are both fucking utterly charming, but the, this sounds like a fantastic, <laughs> um, a fantastic and interesting story. And I'm assuming I can expect it to be magic realism. So th there is, yes, there, there okay. is some degree of that, but okay. it's not, you know, it's, it's not the, you know, you, you'll know when you, when you, when you read it, yeah. what I'm talking about. There's yeah. a bit of it, but not, not too much. There's not a train in the first page that's, Yes. An actual train. Pan. Yeah. There's no pan. There's no pan. None of that. Yeah. None of that. <laughs> so I won't be baffled. I'm like, what the fuck is happening in this yeah. book? Uh, <laughs> well, I am just so thrilled that you spent time with us. Um, uh, a Conspiracy of Mothers is out in October. And congratulations on getting that thing with Amazon because that's just a big deal for your first book. And like, what a great, what a great thing. I, I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you so much. Great to chat with you, Brad. Yes, you as well. Well, there you have it. That was Colleen Van Nykirk and her book, A Conspiracy of Mothers, is out in October. You need to go get that right now. Uh, she was lovely. I had just, I had such a good time. It, there are moments in this show, you know, I've talked a little bit about this. It's a side hustle. I have a job outside of this. And doing this show plus the two video podcasts is a lot. You know, you spend a lot of time on this. And there are days I get burnt out on it. And then I have these conversations with people like Colleen and I'm like, no, I'm gonna fucking do this forever. Right. Like I like it is worth whatever tired I get to get to talk to people like Colleen, um, because that is just what life is about. So I hope you enjoyed that as much as I loved doing that and having that conversation. Before we get out of here, a couple of reminders. If you like what you heard today, do us those two favors. Tell your friends about us and leave us a review. Don't forget to check out all the other programs on the Solid Listen Podcast Network, including the flagship Mother May I Sleep With podcast with host and our Solid Listen Podcast queen, Molly McLear. We got those video podcasts coming out on the Solid Listen Network YouTube channel. Those are out about every Monday and Friday. You can also catch the audio version of those right here where you're listening to this podcast. And the jam is out every Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts and don't miss anything that Max and I are doing. And remember, you can always catch us on Twitter and Instagram at The Writer's Jam. Until the next time, I will see you around the internet.
there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.